The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Hey, it's Alahe. So I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes even I feel overwhelmed by the news. And I hear this a lot from friends and family. So we're going to do a future episode about news avoiders. If this sounds like you, we want to hear from you. Send us a voice memo to postreports at washpost.com, telling us about your relationship to the news and why sometimes you may avoid it. Now, let's get to today's news, which I'm glad you're not avoiding. It's a conversation hosted by my colleague Jeff Edgers, a national arts reporter who you'll be hearing more from over the next couple of weeks. Okay, I'll let Jeff take it from here. So we're starting to hear this name, RFK Jr., more and more. Do you say Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? Do you say Jr.? Do you, I, I'm not sure. You'll tell me. But um, I, I'd love to understand a little bit more about him, you know, kind of break down who he is and why he's in the news right now. Yeah, he calls himself Bobby, like his father, the more famous Bobby Kennedy, the former attorney general of the United States who was assassinated in 1968. This is Michael Scherer. He's a national political reporter for The Post. He tells me if you want to understand Robert F. Kennedy or Bobby Kennedy Jr., you should start with his father and his uncle and their assassinations. I think he's heavily informed by the murder of his uncle, which he believes was done with the participation of the CIA. There's a 60-year cover-up. You know, the Warren Commission was run by Alan Dulles, who was the head of the CIA, who my uncle fired. Congress found that, yeah, it was a plot. It was a conspiracy. There were multiple people involved. He believes that the convicted murderer of his father, Sirhan Sirhan, did not fire the fatal shot that killed him, that there was another shooter in the room. RFK Jr. has a whole bunch of other things he believes in. They seem to have blossomed from this worldview, like vaccines cause autism, Wi-Fi causes cancer. The government is lying to you and covering it all up. The central message of his campaign is that you have been lied to by all these different groups. My mission over the next 18 months of this campaign and over my, throughout my presidency will be to end the corrupt merger of state and corporate power. By the intelligence community, by corporate America, by the regulatory agencies in the U.S. government, uh, by technology companies, by the news media, and that he is going to tell the truth and start cleaning all this up. But before we dismiss RFK Jr. as fringe, let's think about another thing Michael told me. In some polls, he's had the support of anywhere between 15 to 20 percent of Democratic voters. Flip that to the Republican side, and that's Ron DeSantis' territory. It's notable support among some Democrats. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Jeff Edgers, your guest host today. It's Tuesday, August 8th. Today on the show, we talk about the candidacy of RFK Jr. and whether there's an appetite for more conspiratorial thinking, this time on the left. So tell me, before we get into this campaign, just let's go back and understand a little bit more about who RFK Jr. is. Can you tell me a little bit about his background and sort of what he was doing before he decided he was going to run for president? 
Yeah, he had a very tumultuous and difficult childhood after his father's death for understandable reasons. He turned through a number of schools, went through a rather serious drug addiction, and he came out of it uh, in his early 30s and sort of remade himself as an environmental rights lawyer. That environmental issues are always human rights issues. They are always, and that they're, and that they're the best measure of how a democracy is functioning, of the success of a democracy, is how it distributes the goods to the land, whether it maintains... Uh, you know, successfully sued a number of polluters and started cleaning up rivers around the country. My clients are Hudson River fishermen. And one of the things that I learned from them very early on is that we're not protecting the environment so much for the sake of the fishes and the birds. We're protecting it for our own sake. He parlayed that into, you know, a broader trial lawyer career, suing companies like Monsanto over its pesticides. And then he picked up a sort of an existing theory that vaccines were causing a lot of diseases, particularly among children, and ran with it and, and sort of remade himself as someone who was focused on exposing the harm of vaccines. Uh, I think some of the live virus vaccines are probably uh, averting more problems than they're causing. Um, there's no vaccine that is, you know, safe and effective. Uh, and this made him rather controversial because the science has not backed up what he has said. He argued for a long time that a form of mercury in vaccines was causing autism. But even after that mercury has been taken out of vaccines, you know, rates of autism have stayed constant or continued to go up. He's argued that the COVID vaccine, for instance, which there's abundant science showing, played a huge role in getting us past that pandemic and in saving lives for people who ended up getting COVID. He argues that that vaccine actually killed more people than it saved. I mean, it seems like in the world of conspiracy theories, the idea is COVID provided the ultimate kind of shooting fish in a barrel, right? I mean, you have all these companies, big companies producing vaccines, and you have the government involved, and you have this mystery illness. So it sort of was ripe for him to jump in there. Yeah, absolutely right. And he says that himself. He says that he would not be able to be running for president now if it were not for COVID. And he ties it beyond just the pharmaceutical companies. He argues that the broader intelligence community conspired to help corporations make money off the pandemic. And a big part of his campaign is focused on how media companies covered COVID and how social media companies regulated COVID information. His nonprofit organization, the Children's Health Defense, has even sued The Post and other news outlets, alleging that they violated antitrust laws by working with technology companies on an initiative to fight COVID misinformation. Let's get back to this campaign. What exactly is he campaigning on? He's going to shift U.S. foreign policy. He's going to shift domestic health policy. He's going to shift regulatory policy. He's going to change the way information is sort of regulated online. I want the Democratic Party to represent the same values that my, my father did, my uncle did. I don't want it to be the party of war and, uh, and fear and, and, you know, pharma and, uh, and, you know, these warmongering neocons. And he's going to redirect the whole direction of the country. It's a message that appeals very well with Republicans, with conservative, American first, 
Make America Great Again Trump-like voters who have long believed that there is a group of elites who are making their lives worse that need to be fought. I mean, that was sort of the message that Donald Trump was elected on. What makes Kennedy interesting is he's running as a Democrat in a Democratic primary, and he's running on the promise that if he gets the nomination, steals it from Joe Biden, who is right now the front runner. He'll be able to sort of reorient the whole political world by bringing together the right and the left and sort of mixing up the polarity in our in our politics. I mean, when we talk about evoking his family's political past, it sounds like there's some talk of, you know, with his father and his uncle's campaigns trying to you're talking about these white working class Trump voters, but also the kind of Democrats who might have voted for the Kennedys in the past. Yeah, that's right. He tells a story regularly as he travels around about the kind of supporters that both John Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy was getting during the primary in 1968 before his assassination. And they were a lot of these what we used to call, you know, Kennedy Democrats, white working class, many rural voters. And his promise is what what he says he could do if he were able to get the nomination is to reorient that group of voters back towards the Democratic Party and away from the sort of what he calls demagoguery that Republicans have embraced. Okay, so let's dig into these conspiracy theories. Uh, What exactly is he espousing here? There are so many things. The list is incredibly long. The thing that unites all these things is the idea that powerful people, often in secret and with malice, are doing something that you are not being told about. In fact, COVID-19, there's an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19... So, you know, he was captured on a videotape from a recent dinner in New York suggesting that the COVID virus may have been built to target certain ethnicities and races. COVID-19 is targeted to attack uh, Caucasians and... And, uh, and uh, black people. The people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews and, uh, and Chinese. He later backed away from that, saying that he was not saying targeted. He was really saying it just affects different ethnicities and races in different ways. Now, there is actually scientific evidence about, you know, genetic patterns in different groups of people that have different responses to viruses. And there has been some studies that show that. But in his telling, COVID somehow was not as bad for Ashkenazi Jews and Asians as it was for people of African descent and other races. And it's a pretty explosive claim. And then he combines that with his claim that there is significant research being done in the U.S. and in other countries to target bioweapons. And we need to talk about bioweapons. The level, I know a lot now about bioweapons because I've been doing a book on it for the past two and a half years. And, um, uh, and you know, the, the, what we, the technology that we now have to develop these microbes, we have, we've put hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, ethnically targeted microbes. Now, there has been historically some research done, but that's the sort of way he takes things that are true in the world and builds them into much broader, much more alarming claims. Wi-Fi radiation is, uh, does all kinds of bad things, including causing cancer. It's extrapolating from a small thing, something much larger, where science and scientists say, 
there is not evidence to make that jump. But that's the space where he lives. You know, this idea that you can take an isolated piece of evidence that is real, that happens to actually exist in a study, and then extrapolate the sort of worst case scenario from it, mainly through supposition, and then claim that if his views are not being fully aired, if no one's debating him, that's just further part of a conspiracy to censor him and to quiet the truth he has to say about what is happening in the world. That is uh, quite a list. And some of those things sound really dangerous. Is there anyone out there pushing back on him, you know, trying to stop this spread of misinformation? He was removed from Instagram during the pandemic. He was denounced by the White House for spreading COVID misinformation. He's had a long-running battle with a number of the social media and technology companies who will pull his interviews down, you know, from YouTube, for instance, because they say he is spreading misinformation or disinformation. He's basically been relegated outside of the sort of elite society that he was born into and has lived most of his life. And he's sort of positioned himself as a rebel on the outside. Uh, he's widely shunned by the Democratic Party. And he's quite comfortable with that position. I think he compares himself to the Stoics, someone who's just constantly fighting against overwhelming odds and finding a way to be happy in that place. But it has not been an easy road for him. I think it is clear that it has been a very personally satisfying road for him. I think he feels very happy now to be in the position he is in to be able to take national, through a presidential campaign, ideas that just a few years ago you know, we're quite literally being pushed out of the public debate. After the break, how RFK Jr. could reshape the 2024 presidential race, even if he doesn't win. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Michael, taking this campaign nationally, let's talk about that. What type of support does Robert F. Kennedy Jr. actually have so far? It's an odd campaign because he doesn't do a lot of events. He'll be invited to be a speaker here or there, but he doesn't do regular campaign rallies or town halls that you would expect. Uh, he's raised an okay amount of money, not a significant amount of money. He's got a super PAC supporting him with a few wealthy donors backing him. And his polls, you know, over the last couple months have been declining in national surveys. And they don't show a real path for him winning any of these early states, in part because he's running inside the Democratic primary. I think one of the interesting things about him is he has sort of backed away from President Biden in the way he discusses him since he launched his campaign. The decisions that are coming out of the White House are bad decisions. Right. And, you know, they, uh, admit the Democratic Party does not censor people, in my experience. Um, we're not the party of war. We're not the party of the neocons dictating foreign policy. We're the party of the middle class, and we're the party of working people. And that's not where the party is anymore. I, will, I would tell you. 
Initially, he would say he's a friend of the family. He's been a friend of mine. I have great respect for him. This is a debate about ideas. He's kind of moved to saying, I would not be able to support him as president because of his Ukraine policy. And so there is this sort of threat hanging in the air that he would abandon his pledge to run for president as a Democrat, which could complicate things for President Biden's reelection. But I think right now, where he is getting an audience and where he's getting a lot of focus is mainly in the sort of alternative media podcast realm, where you have a number of very large podcasts, giant audiences, podcast hosts who have built audiences by saying the mainstream media is not telling you the full truth, we'll give you an alternative view. That's a very hospitable audience for Robert Kennedy. And he has done really well in speaking in those spaces. And I think he's garnered quite a bit of attention as a result. So when you talk about this split with Biden, how likely is it that Biden will take this campaign actually seriously and Democrats will wonder, you know, is he going to have some impact? So far, Democrats are not taking him seriously at all. There has been no comment in any real way from either the Democratic National Committee, which has refused to host debates, or from the White House or President Biden really addressing his candidacy. They do not see him at the moment as a real threat. In practice, because of the way campaign finance works, the Democratic National Committee is basically the Biden campaign right now. And so he's really getting no traction in that area. The only path he has right now is to get voters who vote in Democratic primaries to elect him. And then that would give him the power to then shake things up. But, you know, the Biden team and and Democratic leaders don't think he has a path to do that. When you're talking about all this, it's really hard not to remember the former president, Donald Trump, sort of the Beatles of conspiracy theories, right? I mean, this guy, when he was in office and since then, was masterful at using them to his advantage. And I'm wondering where RFK Jr., where does he fit into this? Is it sort of a continuation of this thread of conspiracy theories taking over, you know, the question that we don't argue over true facts anymore. We argue about what's true. Do you see that connection? This whole change in politics speaks to something that's really fundamental to what is happening to this country. There has been, on the one hand, an enormous growth and dissatisfaction with the way things are going. People don't like the direction of the country. They don't feel like their lives are getting better. There's an anger that has been growing for decades now and is defining of our politics. And sometimes Democrats are able to harness that, sometimes Republicans are, but it it is not abating. It keeps getting stronger. And then you also have a fracturing of the media environment brought about by technology. And a lot of people believe, and, and sometimes, you know, fairly, that they have to look for themselves for their own facts. And for the first time, really, in human history, they have an enormous ability to do that. The challenge is that a lot of the facts that are on the internet or on these podcasts are not actually true or are suppositions and not facts or are true in part, but if you don't understand the context, you can actually take the wrong lesson from them. And so we sort of have a a new Wild West in our democracy. People are getting their information lots of different ways. They're angry. They want to do something. And that has given rise to all these different political efforts. And I think it it was fundamental to Trump in 2016. Michael, what will we be looking for as his campaign continues? Are there signs or there moments where you say, ah, this is where he has to either build on this or it just collapses? I think the most important question is to see how much he decides to break from the Democratic Party and how much he wants to damage the nominee in a general election. 
I think the second question is how effective he is in spreading his sort of alternative views. And we've seen in the last few weeks a number of moments where he kind of goes too far, says things in a clumsy way, and gets a lot of backlash. There are lots of ways in the coming months that he could sort of stumble and undercut himself. On the other side, he's got a megaphone now, and there's a lot of ways where he could convince other people. So he could really change the way the American people think about some of these topics. Michael uh, Scherer, thank you so much. I'm glad you're doing this and I'm not doing it. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you. Michael Scherer is a national political reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Ariel Plotnick and edited by Maggie Penman. It was mixed by Sam Baer. If you're looking for the latest updates on the big news of the day, check out our morning news briefing, The 7. The podcast is hosted by my colleague Jeff Pierre, and he brings you the seven stories you need to know about every weekday morning by 7 a.m. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jeff Edgers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.